Hello and welcome to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs, writer and mostly sensible habit maker. So we are all still in lockdown, fun times. And look, I've had some feedback from listeners who say that they keep rewatching the same thing again and again and again, and they want to get out of that rut. So if you're like me and you are on your sixth or seventh viewing of Sex in the City and you're looking for something else to watch, that's what this episode is all about. So this week's guest is my very good friend, Jordan Prosser, who is a film director and screenwriter, as well as a massive movie buff. And we are going to be talking about our top five films of all time. And then we're going to give some tips for how to find more films like those so that you're not stuck watching the same shit again and again and again. Welcome, Jordy. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Thank you. Uh, I will explain to people how we know each other. And I was... I'm not exactly sure. It's really messy because we did theatre together when we were young in our youth. I believe I yes. met you when you were maybe 12 and I would have been I 18. Think that's, I think that's right. Um, doing but what the, show? The produ- was, it the, was it doing The Learning Curve? The production of The Learning Curve? I suspect Cam- so. Uh, yeah, I think it was that because I was very intimidated by you. Oh, gosh, um, no. No, 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 no. You, oh, you like an old cool kid and I was like... <laughs> You know, 12. But it's also hard because when you're a theatre kid, you, you're never quite sure what show you met each other on because you saw each other in shows before you actually met each other in the show that you met each other in. That's true. So I think you kind that's of true. are in each other's orbit for much longer before you're actually friends. But anyway, so that's technically where we met. But Geordie is actually one of Ben's best mates. So that's how come we're still very good friends now. And that's why. But I knew him. you first. So... Yes, which is which is very odd, but I think we're pushing maybe twenty years of friendship now. Yes, More? oh my god, no, it would it would be twenty. Oh, it would be twenty years. That's so long. <laughs> oh. So, how has your week been? Um, terrible, actually. <laughs> it's been an absolute shit show. Um, yeah, mainly lockdown. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, one hundred percent because of that. It's just sort of a never ending. Um, nightmare that seems like you're never going to wake up from it um yeah shout out to everyone feeling the same um but you know the the one thing getting me through is like good old movies and i genuinely mean that i genuinely mean that with all my heart um for the last 18 months it's yeah pretty much the one mainstay like my partner my dog and good films that sounds really nice but only if you're choosing it (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) It's been good to fall back on. Desperate times, you know. So I start every episode with a recommendation of the week. So I go first and then you give me your recommendation. So my recommendation of the week is the show Jeopardy, which has actually been running. We figured out it's been running since the year before Ben was born, which I want to say is 80... (laughs) 86. 85? Correct. No, 6. 86. 86. I always forget when he's born. That's really bad. So it's been running for like Ben's whole entire life and we've literally never watched it before. But it is on at 7 p.m. on SBS Vice. And it is so fun. It's a really Just to be clear, are you talking about the like the American version yes. of Jeopardy? Yes. You can watch it here. Okay. Yeah, it's I on- assume maybe they'd done some Australian spin-off or something. No, they it's it's on 7 p.m. for this is for Australian listeners. It's on 7 p.m. SBS Viceland. And so we okay. put the kid to bed at 7 and pop straight out 
and have our cup of tea and watch Jeopardy. And it is so good. But we found out it, this is really sad. The host has been the same host that whole time. He died. Alex Trebek, I want to say. Was that his name? Sure. I completely yeah. forgot the second And he'd been doing article. it for like 30 or 40 years or something. And yeah, pretty crazy. And he died at the end of last year. And they've replaced her with, her, I can't remember her name, Blossom, who is on the Big Bang Theory. My, oh, really? My, Mayim I- Bialik. I think they're like they're like doing um, they're kind of rotating through hosts every few months because occasionally I see some like hot take from some American culture magazine being like the new Jeopardy host is the worst one yet like they'll just never oh. quite replace old mate. Oh bummer! I thought she was going to be like a really good permanent like mainstay. I thought she would have been. I don't really know. Good maybe at it. maybe they're just auditioning. You know, yeah. trying to find the right one. I feel like I've I've like heard Jeopardy referred to in American. TV shows and movies my entire life. And anytime people talk about Jeopardy, it sounds so complicated. Yeah, it's It sounds it's like the not. rules are so dense. <laughs> no, I, I thought the exact same thing. And I found that um, Deal or No Deal show really confusing. So I can remember watching it and trying to learn how to play Deal or No Deal. And apparently it's just appallingly simple, but I still just can't wrap my head around it. Jeopardy is literally like they give you the answer and you have to say the question which sounds complicated, but it's actually it's not. Like it's really quite simple. Things you take on a picnic and you say, a well, picnic rug. Is no, you, like you'd say, what is a picnic rug? What is a picnic rug? Yeah, or, or if the answer is a person, you'd say, who is? So it's like, you know, who is the lead in Mission Impossible? You'd go, who is Tom Cruise? You've lost me. I don't get it. <laughs> you should watch it, though. It's fabulous. I'm, <laughs> I'm giving it a bad rap. But no, it's, it's fantastic. So what is your recommendation of the week, Geordie? My my recommendation is quite on theme for what we're talking about tonight. It's a it's actually a, a site um, called Just Watch, which has become an absolute saving grace for me. I don't know if you know. I'm sure a lot of people are in the same boat where they have a million subscription services now and different streamers and whatnot. Um, if you go to JustWatch.com, um, it's basically a search engine that aggregates every company's streaming libraries. So instead of having to search through everyone individually, if you say, hey, I want to watch um, Clueless, you go to Just Watch, type in Clueless, and it'll say, you can stream it on this service, this service, this service. You can rent it from here. You can buy it from here. Amazing. It's That's- an absolute... Absolute lifesaver. That is perfect because we've got our Apple TV and sometimes it just gets confused and you can. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how it gets confused. It should know what it's doing. And we have all the streaming services. Like, we we just yeah. signed up to everything we possibly could at the beginning of last year. I think because these days as well, um, like, the the properties are moving around so frequently. Like, people are sort of, like, buying out and recontracting the IP from one network to another. And then they're, like, setting up their own. Like, you know, when, like, the Disney Plus came around, suddenly there was this massive, like, suck of all the content out of Netflix and Stan and everything because Disney rebought it all. So, it's, like, I think a lot of other people just can't keep up. But Just Watch always seems to be up to date. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 so good. That's fantastic. I am definitely going to be bookmarking that one. Um, Before we get into the movie recommendations, I have a random thought I'd like to share with you that I think you'll quite like. So, you know, when you say that something sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about if you want to say it's the opposite of sucking, like it's something good. I was like, what is the opposite of sucking? And it's blowing, which is also bad. (laughs) So I was like, suck and blow are both terrible. What's the opposite of suck and blow that if you want to say that something is rad 
those both cancel each other out. So that was my all random you, thought of the week. All you can say is it doesn't suck, which doesn't, doesn't exactly suck. sound celebratory. Like that doesn't sound like a huge endorsement saying that something doesn't suck. No, d- d- something not sucking is neutral. Yeah. Because it's not, I mean, that's, that's literally <laughs> what it is. When you're not sucking, you're not doing anything. I mean, generally slang like that doesn't hold up as soon as you actually stop and really think about it for too long. Which is um, precisely like other- what I did. Yeah, yeah. The, the other day, I I said that I I you know barely managed something by the skin of my teeth, and then I stopped for just a moment too long to think about that, and it's a horrifying image. <laughs> it really is. I really hate that teeth. expression now. <laughs> <laughs> I saw someone on Instagram today say that you know you're a kid of like the eighties or nineties if you've ever said "don't have a hernia." <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we all said don't have a hernia? Oh man, I yeah. miss that. Yeah, we're probably all going to get hernias one day. True, and then it won't be so funny. No. Okay, so let's jump straight into our movie recommendations. Uh, we are going to state the movie, and I said we were going to give it a rating out of 10, but then I was like, this is kind of stupid because it's your top five movies ever, so they're probably just all going to have a rating out of 10, right? I'm so glad you cottoned on to that because <laughs> I, I, went to, I went to give them all ratings today, and I was like, I'm going to give this one a 10, and this one a 10, and I'm going to give this one a 10? I did the exact same thing. <laughs> and then I was also just like, because if you have your top five movies, it's not like you can have like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Because no. <laughs> your top five movies are going to be rated out of five. So I've scrapped that, which is great. Okay. Great. But uh, we haven't told each other our top five movies, so they're going to be secret reveals. Yes. So this is the first time I'm hearing them too as well. So, Geordie, what is your – and we're going from the bottom to the top – so you reveal your number one movie at the end. Okay. Did I make okay. that clear? Yes. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. All like right. any good reveal. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> so you don't want to start at the top. Okay. Geordie, what is your fifth favorite movie of all time? My fifth favorite movie of all time. Um, just wait one second. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I'm just the suspense. Sure. Oh, I thought my recording was dodgy. Okay. Is it fine? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. Um... So, my fifth favorite movie of all time, and a quick, a quick caveat, this, if you ask me any given day, this list would change. Oh, and me the too. order of it would change. It's, compl- like, it's an impossible task at the best of times. Um, so, today, this is based entirely on how I'm feeling, what came to mind when you asked me, um, and, you know, trying also to get a good- Also, being in lockdown. Also, be- also being in lockdown, which actually makes a huge, huge difference my taste in movie making like so i i just came out of like two and a half weeks of watching melbourne international film festival films um which the entire in-person festival had to be scrapped for the second time this year it was all online so all i did was watch like like small indie movies and a lot of them were really 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 fucking sad and really heavy for like two and a half weeks and then as soon as we finished I've just watched every single Lethal Weapon because I just needed like a palate cleanser and like 80s action has been my absolute stalwart um, go-to this these past few months. Um, anyway, without any further ado, number five, uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley from Ooh, 1999. Wow, rogue choice. Talk to me about have, that. Have you seen it? I have. I watched it once, like when it first came out, maybe when I was a teenager mm-hmm. and probably found it a little dull. Sure, sure. But as an adult, I've rewatched it and it's fabulous. I mean, just for the costuming alone, like really. That's the thing. So this is one of the few things I like about the world today um, is the- Sorry, that's like, just like a, like a really grand <laughs> statement. What I like about the world 
Well, <laughs> very, very generally, is that there are the, all these films that I grew up on and you grew up on, a lot of people of our generation grew up on, and we would have watched it on VHS, maybe DVD. So we, we only ever saw it when it came out in standard definition. And now it's like I can, you know, pop it on Netflix and actually watch it in high definition. And the thing that escaped you maybe the first time when you saw it when you were 11 and you didn't really give a shit was like, these, these films are incredible to look at. Like The Talented Mr. Ripley, as you say, the, the production design, the costuming, the cinematography is extraordinary. It's an unbelievably beautiful film. Um, and coupled with that, it's, I mean, it's like uh, kind of a weird, twisted love letter to youth. And it's this amazing postcard of like peak 20th century Europe. The locations are beautiful. The lifestyle that they lead for the first half of the film, at least, is just like so intoxicating. Um, and it's also this like perfect time capsule, I think, to the, for the like insane gobsmacking beauty of the three leads. It's like, like Jude Law in that movie is the hottest man alive. Absolutely. He and that's so peak. beautiful, as is Matt Damon, as is Gwyneth Paltrow. It's unbelievable. And then, uh, uh, you know, on top of that, it's just this cracking psychological thriller. It's got some profoundly shocking twists. It's got these moments of, like, unbearable tension. Um, and it's, you know, it's also 1999, which in my book is the best year for movies of all time. It just um, is, isn't it? Isn't it, like, categorically one of the best years of movies? Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, yeah, 99, let's think, uh, The Matrix, Fight Club, uh, Eyes Wide Shut, American Beauty, Talented Mr. Ripley, 10 Things I Hate About You, The Sixth Sense, um, Cruel Intentions, Notting Hill. some Tom Hanks amazing stuff in there as well for 99, isn't it? Yeah, what did he do that year? Some Forrest Gump, was it? Toy Story 2, mm. I mean, ugh. Great year. Unbelievable. The Blair Witch Project? <laughs> Imagine getting a year of movies like that today yeah we were so spoiled in 1999 <laughs> we were and we didn't even know it yeah I, I feel like i haven't it. really loved a movie since then <laughs> okay so my number five movie is titanic oh thank you i had to because okay let me talk to you about titanic mm. i was not going to put it in the list because i feel like titanic my whole life because i'm a massive leonardo dicaprio fan he was my bedroom was wallpaper Leonardo DiCaprio when I was 13. I loved mm-hmm. everything he was in. I watched, you know, the scene, the fish tank scene from- um, Romeo Aaron, and Juliet. Yeah, Aaron Day. Uh, oh, hell yeah. I, there was a film clip that I recorded off the TV and I think it was the Desiree I'm Kissing You. That's the, I'm kissing you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah. oh, that one. Man. I watched that film clip like every single morning before I went to school for like three (laughs) years. Seriously, I was a massive Leo fan. So I always felt kind of very basic about liking Titanic and I kind of hid that it was my favorite movie for a really long time. And now that I'm a grown up, well, because it kind of, I don't know, there, there, there was like a whole cultural thing around people like, oh, I've never even seen Titanic or people thinking that oh, big blockbusters. Oh, yeah, it became cool to not like it. I hate that. Exactly, yeah. And and as I've gotten older and every single time it's on TV, I watch it. I, I, I'm, I'm very into watching movies that are actually on TV. That's a weird thing that we do in our house. But, I mean, it won 11 Oscars. It put Kate mm-hmm. Winslet on the map. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've spent so much time pretending like it's not one of my top five films because I felt – Maybe that I should pretend to be a bit more deep and have kind of more intellectual films in my top five. But as I was going through this, I was like, it's Titanic. That's it. It's just beautiful and it's charming and 
tragic and wonderful and it's just it's such a fantastic film so titanic number five there's absolutely nothing to be ashamed about about liking titanic it's an it's exceptionally well made it's a class drama it's a it's a top-notch romance it just works on every level the pace is fantastic yep yeah, Thank you. Those th- three hours and five minutes just fly by. Yeah. <laughs> totally <laughs> worth it. All right. What is your number four? Number four. Uh, I did some debating about this, but I'm actually pretty pretty happy with it. Coco. Oh, yeah. You really loved Coco, didn't you? I love this film. Um, I'll tell you why. I feel like... So, we, we I, I was just reeling off some 1999 films, including Toy Story 2. And I think... Toy Story 2 was around the time people were like, wow, these Pixar people, these are not just movies for kids. Like, these are really exceptional films. Um, And so Coco was 2017. And I feel like the years since then, everything post-Coco, Pixar has felt maybe maybe a little bit like they're sort of into a very comfortable, sort of predictable um, formula now. They've done a lot of sequels that no one was really asking for. Coco, I feel like, is is peak Pixar. I feel like it's sort of a culmination in a way of the previous, what, like 22 years worth of, of work that they were doing since, since to- the first Toy Story. Um, so it's this beautiful culmination, not just of the, their technical achievements, like it is such a beautiful movie to look at, um, but also a culmination of all of its themes, all of Pixar's themes, everything that they talk about, the fact that it works for children and adults, the fact it's about childhood, it's about family, um, it's about dealing with loss and grief, like especially for a young person dealing with loss. Um, it just it just gets me every time, and it's it's funny and it's got this um, like amazing sense of slapstick humor, uh, and like the 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 cultural representation um, is so beautiful as well. And yeah, I went to see it on because I was determined to see it in cinemas. I went along to like a 10 p.m screening on my own at Cinema Nova and was like one of the only people in the cinema and felt like a real creep going to see a kid's movie. Um, <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And like sobbed my eyes out and I've seen it probably four or five times. And every time I'm like, not this time Pixar. And it gets me every single time. And a movie that can make me cry predictably is actually a really useful tool. I feel to have in life. <laughs> if you just, if you just need to sob, <laughs> Uh, and you can guarantee like that you can put it on and achieve that. Yeah, totally, totally. It's just like flicking a switch. I feel like even just someone mentioning the title of Coco has me welling up inside. <laughs> I get like a lump in my throat and I'm just, you know, you, you have to be in the right frame of mind to watch Coco because it is just so harrowing and beautiful on so many levels. Yeah. And and the nostalgia as well, like where you've got Frida Kahlo and you've got like, it's just, it's just beautiful. It's such a gorgeous mm. film. I love that mm. you said that because my number four is related Go on. So my number four is The Incredibles. <gasps> Good pick. Yeah. Good pick. So yeah. I feel like in the world of Pixar, it's really Pixar is is just a minefield. It's you know people are so. I kind of feel like your favorite Pixar film says a lot about you, but your favorite Pixar film is so tied to who you were at the time that you saw it for the first time, and kind of what that means. That's why people have different Pixar films that they love. Like, I don't think that there's, you know, a particular outstanding Pixar film. Having said that, though, have you seen uh, Soul? 
I did see Soul, and yeah, actually, contrary to what I was just saying, that that was a, that was a standout. That was a really beautiful film. It was fantastic. We watched that recently, so that's another side recommendation. The Pixar film Soul is really excellent. So I picked The Incredibles because I feel like it's a bit of a sleeper in the land of Pixar's, but I just love it. Like it's it's just it's joyful and it's funny. Mm. And I really love, this is one of my weird things. You know, when you've got like a theme or something that you like in films, like you might like fashion montages or, you know, romance montages or something like that. I love superhero movies where powers get revealed. (laughs) I know that's really specific, but like X-Men, you know, when when you go to the school and there are all the kids that have like flames coming out of their hands and things like that. I I love a slow reveal where, and I love it when superheroes all get together and they all have different powers. And it's like, that's, that's one of my weird movie things that I enjoy, but it's just, it's just so funny and flawed and sweet and realistic. Mm. And I do feel like it's an unsung hero of the, of the Pixar repertoire. Interestingly Mm. though, while I'm on this topic, I have very, very lukewarm feelings about Ratatouille. I've, you know what? I, I feel like I do too, purely because I only ever saw it once when it came out. And I was like, that was good. And I probably haven't thought about it ever since. I can't Not even once. remember really what happens. It's like a rat in a hat. It's a, <laughs> it's, I mean, there is, a, yes, it's a rat. And he, it's a rat who wants to be a chef, which is a cute concept because of mm. course a rat is the last thing you want in a kitchen. So that's like a very Pixar hook there. It's like, Oh, the thing I want is against my essential nature. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The Incredibles though. I couldn't agree with you more. I think, I think in many ways, Incredibles, they maybe tilted it slightly too far towards being for the adults. Like it's a, it's a very clever movie. The, the humor in that, in, in that film is actually very quick paced and mm. very, very intellectual. Um, I, yeah, I, like, I, I, I just laugh even just thinking about Frozone. The first time I saw Frozone, <laughs> yeah. I was like, slow clap. You have nailed this character. I am so Terrific. here for it. Incredibles 2 was good, I think, but not great. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was an appropriate number two. But I mean, Jack, Jack just really made it for me, really. The, That's true. the whole, and him fighting with that squirrel that was outside. I was on the floor. Oh, it was yeah. so funny. Yeah, that was, a secret weapon there in Jack, Jack. Yeah, that, sure. that was, that was worth it alone. So moving on to movie number three. Movie number three. This, this one goes up and down my top 10, anywhere sort of between number two and number eight, any given day, any given year. Um, it's Train to Busan. Ooh. A Korean Korean film from 2016 uh, that I saw at the Melbourne International Film Festival um, in 2016. And then as soon as it came out in limited release, I sought out and saw, I think, another four times at the movies. Um, I was obsessed with this film and I still am to this day. I think um, I think we can all agree like 2010s was the zombie decade. Um, and we've definitely we've we've hit and are now past peak zombie. Uh, which I think is only a good thing, um, you know, like because early 2010s, it was like, <laughs> imagine a plague. How funny. Like The um, Walking Dead is still going. How? It's in its last season. Though. Oh, you know, even it? even they've even they've cottoned on to the fact, I think, that people are like, yeah, zombies. Yeah, we're kind of done with this now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely um, done with them. But if, you know, when when I think I look back on that decade and on that whole kind of like cultural moment, um you know, like like Coco being a culmination of, of of Pixar, I feel like Train to Busan is like the ideal culmination of almost a decade worth of 
uh, zombie material. Um, I think it's the best modern zombie film that was made, that has been made. It's also one of the best action movies of the past decade because it is both. It's really creepy and it's really gooey, but it's also it also funny. Has, it's really funny, and that's and you know that's what what a, a good action movie needs as well because like you know the timing of a good action film should be like the timing of a good comedy. Um, you need to understand that sort of that that rhythm and that pacing, and the pacing in Train to Busan is unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's you know it's really like cheeky and shocking and very emotional at the end as well. Um, I know they're they're working on the American remake, which just depresses me because I don't know how you can really you can't on remake perfection. it. It's so good. That's the yeah. thing that really upsets me about films like this because it is foreign language and it has subtitles, and like yeah. we we do live in a world where that is a big turnoff for some people. Totally, totally, and, it's an immediate barrier. And to be honest, for me, sometimes it is a barrier for <clears throat> for Ben and I both because we are we do projects and work and do things yeah. while we watch movies a lot of the time, so. For me to have a movie that I'm going to watch completely and solely look at the screen and actually read it is a really big time commitment for me. And I know it sound like I'm just the most busy person in the world, but I'm like, I have to, no, no, re- no. yeah, I have to really. I, I, I totally agree. And I, I don't begrudge anyone. Like, you know, it, even sometimes if I'm like super tired, I'm like, oh, I just can't do a movie where I'm like watching a movie and reading a book at the same time. It's just, it's just a question of your mental faculties, faculties, but I don't think it should ever be like a permanent barrier. Oh, never. Um, no. You know, otherwise you miss out on so much incredible cinema. Oh, absolutely. And also Train to Busan when Ben pitched it to me, I was like, oh, what is this about? And I just thought it was going to be like a really boring, I don't know, someone gets on a train and it takes them a really long time. And it's like a spiritual spiritual journey. And I was like, I'm really going to oh have to be. God. No, I had no idea what it was. And then he, he put his foot down and said, just shut up and sit down and watch it. And I have no regrets. It was outstanding. So, yeah, yeah I, com- I completely agree with that. So, we've actually got. I've got three left to tell you and you've got two left to tell me before we move on to my third one. Do you think we're going to have any overlaps? Thinking of my last two? No. (laughs) (laughs) Actually thinking of my last two, probably no. Okay. All right. I mean, I think, I think it's not, you know, I think we've agreed with all of each other. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, You know, and you know, I mean, I think you've got, Good taste of movie. I think maybe it can be harder to make you watch films sometimes, but Definitely. then as soon, once you're five minutes in and you realize that you're watching a good movie, you, yeah. you get into it. Well, actually, Geordie uh, was here at our place a couple of weeks ago with another one of uh, another two of their friends, uh, Sam and PJ, and Sam forced me to watch the. Uh, what was it Inside called? Inside. Bo-, Bo Burnham's Netflix special. Yeah. And everyone had been talking about it. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to watch it. Everyone's talking about it. Like, I'm too cool for this. And Sam was like, shut up and watch it. And I did. And it was amazing. So, I swallow my pride immediately when it sounds like- You do. T- to, your, to your credit, you as soon as you're proven wrong, you say, I was wrong. This yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. I, literally, <laughs> I was five minutes into it. And I was like, wow, I was wrong about this one, Sam. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, hi, it's Carly just popping in to remind you to leave a review for the podcast if you haven't already. Please go to the show page, not the episode page. It is a bit confusing. The podcast app for Apple is just super annoying. Scroll down right to the bottom where it says leave a review. 
I check my reviews every single week and honestly, it just makes my day when I see a new review. So thank you to those of you that take the time to leave them. Also, don't forget this week's bonus is a printable movie checklist with Jordan's top 50 movies and they all have a five-star rating. So if you're sick of sitting in front of Netflix and Binge and Stan and Prime and whatever streaming services you have, trying to figure out what movie to watch when you have literally all of them at your fingertips, you need this checklist. It is available for Patreon at patreon.com forward slash very excellent habits. Back to the show. So my movie number three is Silence of the Lambs. Oh, hell yeah. Man, I haven't watched that film in years. It is so good. So I randomly, as I was doing these top five, was I, I was kind of replacing ones and putting ones in. And then I realized that I kind of had genres for each of them. So I think each of these movies actually represents a particular genre or a particular style of movie for me. And so for Silence of the Lambs, it's the ultimate serial killer movie. And I love Mm. serial killer anything. I love true crime. I don't know why. It's a weird thing. Turns out lots of women do that we've discovered in the last couple of years. That seems to be a massive explosion <laughs> a on the multi-million like, dollar industry. It's like, yeah. Wow, we all really like reading and listening to things about murder. This is a bit strange. <laughs> so for Silence of the Lambs, for me, it's just the suspense, the performance. I could watch Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins all damn day, and the final scene still gets my heart racing, even though Mm. I know exactly what's going to happen. And I think I would have watched this film easily 20 times. Really? Easily. Easily. I watch it every time it's on TV because that's a weird thing I do. If I see it on TV, I'll be like, oh, that's what I'm doing on Friday night. Because I like having the choice taken away from me. So if there's, Mm. you know, if if it's Friday night, I'm just going to be at home. I'll check what's on the TV first. And if there's nothing that interests me, then I'll hit up the streaming services. But if Silence of the Lambs is on, I'm going to watch that. And I'll do it every time. Silence of the Lambs, I reckon, I know I know, I have seen and like watched through and loved, but I also feel like I've seen the second two thirds of it probably three or four times for that exact reason, because it'll, I'll see it's on TV and it's like 40 minutes in and I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I'll watch the rest of this. So I, I know that I know the back half of that movie really well. I don't know if I could tell you how it actually begins. I think it's her getting into the FBI, training at the FBI oh, yeah. Academy. Oh, sure, sure. Yes, yeah. at the Academy. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah, and I think Hannibal Lecter's already in jail at the beginning of he it. He is. He is. He's so, just in the jail the whole time. How far have you delved into the the, the Thomas Harris verse? All I, those, those films and the shows associated with them. I have read the books, but many years ago, and you've inspired me to reread them because they are outstanding. Um, I've watched all of the Hannibal, Red Dragon. Is that all of them? Have you watched Manhunter, the Michael Mann film? I have. Yeah, yes. so that was, that was even even pre Silence of the Lambs. Isn't that a show? No. Oh no, there's Mindhunter, which Ooh, you might be thinking. Oh, I have not seen Manhunter. No, no, it's it's got a Brian Brian Cox, you know, from Succession um, yes. as Hannibal Lecter. Ooh, okay. No, I yeah. don't believe I've seen. Is that pre Silence of the Lambs or post? Pre Silence of the Lambs. A lot of people really love that film. Wow. Okay. No, I will get into that. But I, I did. Went, yeah. I did deep dive into like if you're a fan of Silence of the Lambs, you kind of end up into all of those sort of weird areas. But yeah, did it's you, sorry. You go. Great. Did you do the show? Han- the show Hannibal with Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really, just so oh, so good. Is that finished? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They finished it after season three. Okay. We, I might not have mm. watched the final season of it yet. The The second half of season three is actually like an episodic retelling of the plot of Red Dragon. 
Ooh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Good I'm gonna, stuff. I'm going to put that on my list. What, That's a great show. What is your movie number two? I will see your Silence of the Lambs and, and raise you seven. Oh, yes. That was actually <laughs> like, that was my second one, but I'm not as emotionally attached to seven. Mm, mm. Yeah. I mean, talking about like, like classic serial killer movies from the 90s. I mean, we're on a, we're on a, a similar jag here. Um yeah, Seven is amazing. Finch is one of David Finch is one of my absolute favorite directors of all time, and I think this is my favorite movie of his, just narrowly. I think Social Network and Gone Girl are incredible as well. Love Social uh, but Network. Seven, yeah, yeah. Seven still takes the cake for me. Um, it may not be the best lockdown viewing now that I think about it, because it's pro- it's like one of the bleakest films ever made. Like its outlook on the world and its outlook on humanity is pretty relentlessly nihilistic but it's 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 a masterpiece as far as the style and the tone goes um and it's also the second film on my list with uh, gwyneth i just realized so that is true and i don't <laughs> believe i have a gwyneth on mine at all I've, I've i've got two so you can have one do you have a thing for um, gwyneth or not really no, well, I mean, I mean, I think you know, '90s Gwyneth is you know, you can't really get better than that. That's she was true. in a lot of amazing movies. Um, Same with '90s no. Winona. Yeah, iconic. I watched Adore. How to Make an American Quilt the other day, and I was like, far out. She's just a perf- perfect human. Just have you in- seen that? Oh, have you not watched it? It's charming. No. It's got Maya Angelou. It's got oh. um, oh, it's got that other, the woman from. You'll know her name. She's the she's an older lady, and she's in what's that drug film that everyone <laughs> you know? That she's vacuuming really fast. Oh, Ellen Burstyn from yes. Vacuum for a Dream. Yes, I knew, okay. <laughs> Damn, I knew you'd I know. I didn't know who it was. Yeah, I knew uh, you'd you know. know. Me too well. Uh, so she's in it, um, and it's also got uh, Robert Downey Jr. Incredible! How to make an American quilt? That sounds like a boring movie. It does sound like From a boring its title movie. Alone? It will it, they're literally making a quilt. You might not actually you might want to do something else while you watch it, but it's just kind of like one of those movies that you rewatch that you you know, I went and saw it with my mum when I was like eleven and it's just, you know, Winona Ryder's voice over the top of everything as every movie she did was in the nineteen nineties. Yeah. Iron Man making a quilt. I could be into that. It's not Robert Downey Jr. Oh. No, it's um <laughs> it's that guy that looks like him. Matt Dillon? I don't know. <laughs> Is it Matt Dillon? Oh, someone is screaming his name at me right now. (laughs) I will figure it out. Okay, we'll circle back to that. We will. We'll come back to it. So, you just did your movie. That was my movie number two. Your movie number two. Okay. Yes. Did you talk enough about it? I mean, what else is there to say? Like, if if you can excuse the, you know, the unfortunate casting of the big reveal like at the end i won't you know, I know. spoil it but it's a you know it's it's a problem if you can see past that which i you know i th- I, th- I think you have to in certain circumstances you and do. it's worth it in this case because the film yeah it's it's so it's so um grisly but so beautiful like the commitment to the horror of it all uh. Um, the, the final I, scene that, I mean, I think the time for spoiler alerts is over, but if you have not seen Seven, we're not going to spoil it for you. But that final scene is just like, mm. oh, wow, they went there and I'm I'm looking mm. at that exact thing that I thought yeah. I was going to end up looking at. And now I've seen it and now I can't unsee it. And it, it makes, I think it's such a, such a brilliant genre exercise because it sort of, it sort of updates the, like the buddy cop 
formula. It, it really matures it in a way, you know, like I was saying, I was just watching the Lethal Weapon movies this week, you know, and, and Mills and Somerset in Seven are kind of like the the 90s anxiety version of Riggs and Murtagh from Lethal Weapon. You know, the, it's it takes the body cop formula and it takes the sort of the detective formula and it it just it just and it turns it into a horror movie by the end. It's such an interesting genre exercise, um, and it's also got the be- for my money the best foot chase ever filmed. Oh yeah! In yeah. The, the 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 middle sequence where um you know like where Brad Pitt actually like fell and broke his his wrist um, when they're like chasing John um, John Doe through the building and then out into traffic and everything and he puts the gun to his head. That scene I actually studied and analyzed. And wrote an essay about that foot chase in film school. <laughs> it's just <laughs> how that did you good. go in your essay? Pretty well, pretty well from memory. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also feel like that film was sort of when Brad really got his act- acting chops. Like he's always it been was. amazing, but after that film, I was like, oh, you have you have a you have a whole repertoire we haven't seen yet. He'd done a few like kind of like wishy. He'd done like a river runs through it and mm. seven years in Tibet, and he was very like very pretty and everything. But this was like, oh man, this guy's got chops. Like, yeah, he, you know he. He loses it in this film, um, and it's it's amazing to see. Yeah, it was a fantastic film. If you have not watched it, absolutely watch it. So my movie number two, I think you're going to find it quite interesting. Go Shaun on. of the Dead. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes. So what a movie. I, yeah. So I needed something that represented and kind of like encapsulated the comedy films that I enjoy. And it just had to be Shaun of the Dead. So it's it's just so dark and it's so funny and it has all of my favorite Britcom actors in it. The pace is perfection. The tone is fantastic. You can watch it just again and again. And it's one of those films that when you rewatch it, you always find something that you missed the first time around. It's that real Britcom thing of, I mean, you know, you guys love watching. We, we all love The Office. So our, our friendship group really love The Office. Yeah. Basically, whenever we talk to each other, it's mainly in The Office quotes. And if you rewatch The Office, which I have been every year basically since it got released, there's just so much that you miss. And then you rewatch it and you pick up these bits that you didn't see. And it's the same with Shaun of the Dead and the whole Cornetto series, really. But it had to be Shaun of the Dead. Yep. Agreed. It's a, it's an old time of that movie. Did you, did you watch um, Spaced? I did watch mm. Spaced. Um, I mean, it's not as good, but it's it's um after I sort of saw Shaun of, Shaun of the Dead and fell in love with it for the first time, Sam and I went back and watched all of Space, which was like a for anyone who doesn't know it, it was sort of the the sitcom, I guess, like the kind of off kilter Britcom version of Friends, like you know, flatmates, kind of where it all started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the same people. It was Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and Edgar Wright um, and all the people who then turn up in all of, all of those films. And so Shaun of the Dead was such a it was such a joyous kind of um, um, example of these people being given a little bit more money and getting to do what they do so well and just knocking it out of the park. Um, yeah. And uh, I think probably maybe we maybe would it be fair to say like Shaun of the Dead through to Train to Busan that's kind of like the peak cultural yeah. zombie experience oh, like absolutely. everything contained yeah. within those two films on the on the on the timeline definitely it's kind of like where <laughs> the zombie whole thing started straight up to yeah no i think that's fantastic i think it encapsulates all of it <laughs> Yeah, so if you haven't seen Shaun of the Dead or any, there, there's two other films and it's called the Cornetto series, I think loosely just because I think Nick Frost eats a, eats a Cornetto in all of them. 
I think so, yeah. Is it's that, right? that and then Hot Fuzz and then The End of the World. The End of the World. Hot Fuzz is fantastic. I thought The End of the World was a teeny bit weak. I rewatched it a few weeks ago and I liked it much more. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I might have to rewatch it and see if my opinion has changed much. Okay. Geordie. Movie number one. <clears throat> oh, I feel nervous. Why am I nervous? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what you'll think of this. Movie number one, Punch Drunk Love. Good one. That's, Do you like that film? I love that film. I love Great. it. It is so Great. good. It's a little bit of an obscure one, but um, it's one of my favorite directors, Paul Thomas Anderson. Normally, his films Magnolia and or Boogie Nights would also be in yes. this list. I think they're all masterpieces. Punch Drunk Love just holds such a spe- special place in my heart. Um, part of it is like the cultural context in which it came out. Part of it is for the incredible Adam Sandler performance. So this is like 2002 and Adam Sandler's had like quite a decade in the nineties, as you can imagine. Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. And then Paul Thomas Anderson, who at at this time is, I think has just turned 30. He's made Hard Eight, Boogie Nights, and then Magnolia, which is a three hour and 18 minute kind of like sprawling Oscar bait melodrama. Um, And then there's this great like clip I saw once of him. I think he was at Cannes or something, spruiking Magnolia. And everyone was like, you're the new, like, you know, the Wunderkind. Like, what are you doing next? And he's like, I'm making a rom-com with Adam Sandler. (laughs) Um, and all the French critics just kind of are horrified. Um, and that's exactly what he did. He made a rom-com with Adam Sandler, but it's the best Adam Sandler performance ever. And Hands it's also down. one of PTA's best films. It's him sort of proving he can do anything, which he can. Um, is it Emily film- Mortimer? Is that her name? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She is spectacular. And she's also in Red Dragon, isn't she? Oh my God, she is. She is, yeah. She is spectacular. She's one of the, one of those actresses who not a lot of people know about. Like if you, if you're hearing me say Emily Mortimer and you're like, who's that? Google her. She's spectacular. She's that chick from that movie you saw that time and you thought she was amazing. Except it's not not Emily Mortimer. It's Emily Watson. Emily Watson. That's who I was. (laughs) Emily Watson. Very close. You know what? Emily Mortimer is also great. They're, they're both great. They're both fantastic. Emily yeah. Watson. Yeah. They're <laughs> Emily actually, Watson. You know what? Emily Watson is also the chick that you don't know her name that was in that film that you thought was amazing. Exactly. So Google exactly. both of them. See <laughs> yeah. if you can tell them apart. It also has, maybe, and maybe this is controversial, but my favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman performance of all oh, time. Oh, God. Um, as the evil mattress man. Uh, who Adam Sandler pits himself against after he is uh, extorted by a phone sex hotline. It's got one of the weirdest, most convoluted plots, but also one of the simplest sort of like thematic setups of any film. It's it's like short, it's funny, it's beautiful to look at. Um, it does an incredible job, I think, of sort of replicating... Like, if you want to talk about a film that sort of perfectly... Uh, replicates its protagonist's point of view. Like, watching the film is like going through life as Barry Egan, as Adam Sandler's character. The the score by John Bryan, which is all, like, these kind of, like, clicking, popping percussion sounds, and it, it ratchets up the anxiety. Um, and you just so want everything to be okay for them at the end. You get so invested in the film um, through so many really easy, deceptively simple setups. Um yeah, I I think it's I think it sits really really high up for me because it's just it's just lovely. 
It is a very, very beautiful <laughs> film. It's also one of the first films that I saw that was quite realistic, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I kind of feel like a, a lot of the films that, you know, we grew up on in the 90s were just like really over the top, really blockbustery. And this one, mm. like there's that particular scene mm. where they're in bed and he's lying on top of her and he said, you're so beautiful. I just want to punch you in the face. I just want to pluck your eyes out. I want to smash your face in with a sledgehammer. You're so goddamn beautiful. It's that, like, yeah, that scene. The first time I saw that, I was like, that's what it feels like. Like when you first yeah. fall in love with someone, you kind of want to squish them so hard and you want to like, mm. like put mm. them in your mouth, like just like eat them. Like it's really, mm. and that was when I, the first time I saw that film, I was like, oh, wow you're actually describing a real feeling that I have actually felt. And it wasn't kind of, you know, feathery stroking in bed with those like weird L-shaped sheets that like, cause it's not realistic. That's not what, it's yeah. not what it's actually like in real life. So when no. I first saw that scene, I was like, why aren't more filmmakers doing scenes like this? And I think the, um, the greatest disservice a lot of people do that movie is they, they say it's quirky. Because it's you know he's a he's a he's a plunger salesman and he wears a blue suit and he's yeah. buying pudding and and superficially that does all sound like it's just sort of you know facile and quirky but it's it's really dealing in like very real human emotions and just tackling it in a in a very unique way um, but it, I think I think that's a really nice observation it's one of the more relatable films yeah. I think I've ever seen. Yeah, and particularly because it was like the kind of the first of its time to start doing that. So you yeah. know, like like watching girls, that felt yeah. really realistic yeah. in a way. It felt relatable, and you know, these women are so flawed and weird, and they say funny things, and and you just kind of like that's actually what friendship is like. It's not totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, five years after Titanic, which you brought up before, you know, and obviously I, I adore Titanic. But the 90s was melodrama, you know, it was. It was people saying the perfect thing at the perfect time. And Punch Drunk Love is like, no one knows the perfect thing to say. You're probably going to say exactly the wrong thing at the wrong time. Um, but you just have to muddle your way through. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love that you did Punch Drunk Love. <laughs> so my number one movie is actually on. weirdly in a similar vein. It is Eternal mm-hmm. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. <gasps> yes. <laughs> So well done for me. It's the exact same thing with Jim Carrey, as you said, with Adam Sandler is that it's his first kind of serious role and he just nails it, just knocks it Mm. straight out of the park. And I mean, as problematic as Jim Carrey has been kind of historically, I, I just think he's such a splendid comedy actor. And I think that he just really shines when he's in serious roles, but I mean, that's really nothing new. There's, you know, it's, harder to be a really good comedy actor than it is to be a serious one. So I Mm. find that the transition comedy actors make to serious roles tends to be a bit smoother than the other way around. Totally. I mean, he's following the footsteps of Robin Williams there, you know, like some of the funniest, funniest people on the planet who you're like, Oh, maybe you're really funny because you're actually really sad deep down. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's, and I, I just think that, this film, again, I'm a little bit self-conscious about this choice because I feel like it's kind of like my fake wanky first choice. Like if I want people to think like, you know, (laughs) I just totally overthink my favorite choices, but you know, I, you know, I kind of feel like you choose eternal sunshine of the spotless mind if you want people to think you're cool and hip, but I just Mm. genuinely think this movie is heaven. And I mean, that is saying a lot as well, because I used to have a lot of internalized misogyny directed straight at Kirsten Dunst. 
So, and it was just purely, purely based on jealousy. Like I just (laughs) really, so I actively hated movies she was in just out of principle, but I still, but, but I still love this way back in the day, even though she was in it. And now I love it even more because I've matured and I am a raving fangirl for Kirsten Dunst. So I've come like full circle and- I just, I think she's incredible. I think the movie's incredible. The cast is out of control. It's got a hell of a cast. I, oh. I rewatched it last year, and I'd, I'd forgotten half of it. You've got, you've got Kirsten. You've got um, uh, Tom Wilkinson. You've got Elijah Wood crops up. Mark Ruffalo's in there. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like it's, it's absolutely stacked. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's such an incredible film, and. Yeah, every time I think I've made it up in my head that it's a great film, it actually just is a fantastic film. And if you haven't watched it, absolutely watch it. So those were our top 10 movies. Geordie, can you give the listeners three tips for finding really awesome movies based on what they already like? Sure. Do you want to take turns or should I just barrel No, no, this is my- this is all you. I'm not the movie expert. Oh, man. You're the expert. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so here's one idea is I feel like, I feel like people get really hung up on actors and that's fine. Like you might really get invested in and sort of follow an actor's career and be like, oh, I like everything that they're in. And that's cool. But sometimes like don't follow the actors, follow the team. You know, if you see something, if you see something that you know you love, a quick little Google search or a look on IMDb, see who wrote it, see who directed it uh, and look for what else they made. Because actors tend to, pinball around a lot like they want to do a lot of different things they want to flex their different muscles and that's fantastic so you end up with these really sort of eclectic um you know back catalogs but you know it's far more likely that a director or a writer will kind of like keep honing or keep perfecting the one sort of specific thing that they do um so you know you may not even know who wrote your favorite film but if you find out what else they've written you'll probably like the other stuff that they did if you love seven um, there's a film called Eight uh, Millimeter, a Nicolas Cage movie called Eight Millimeter. Also came out in 1999. Also horrific. Think, yeah, yeah, but also written by Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven. Um, and you know, these aren't necessarily marquee names, but you do a little. You're probably going to like that film as well, or at least you're going to find it interesting. Um, and so going back through, because you, you also get people who are working for 30, 40 years. Um, and so I think that opens up a lot of doors in terms of other, other stuff for you to, for you to explore, but, but, you know, a safe bet possibly if they've already done something that you like. Um, tip number two, this is really, this is really generic. This isn't necessarily how to find more of the stuff you love. This is just a reminder and it's to keep a list. Um, my, my partner and I have a shared like list on our phones that we're constantly list makers. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like our never-end. It's like our infinite movie marathon, um, and we just keep an ongoing list of every movie that we want to watch. Because sometimes someone will mention a film, or you'll think of one during the day, or you'll see a snippet from something. And be like, oh, I've never seen that. I really wanted to watch it. And then, guaranteed, that night you'll be sitting on the couch, thumbing through the Netflix menu, being like, I don't know what to watch. As soon as you're actually confronted by the amount of choice there is all your ideas for what you want to do, just go out the window. So keep a list and you can refer to it and be like, ah, I wanted to watch that one and remind yourself and then watch it. Um, my final my final tip for actually finding stuff that they like, this may, maybe, you know, <laughs> it's um, watch the classics, like watch the movies that people say are great. So I've, I've always had a gripe with people who are like, you have to read this classic book because it's beautiful. And then I go and read 
I don't know, like some very, like some like 120 year old book and I'll appreciate it and be like, oh, I recognize the craft and I understand why this is an important book, but it is not moving me. It doesn't, it's not doing anything for me. I would probably get more enjoyment out of a contemporary novel. Um, Films, however, for some reason, I feel like that doesn't apply to films. If a movie was great 60 years ago, and if people still think it's great and still say that it's great, it's probably great. Like, movies still live and die on word of mouth. Um, So if someone has been banging onto you, like you were saying about Titanic, it became very unfashionable to like Titanic. But if you've never seen Titanic, watch Titanic. It's a great movie. It didn't win that many Oscars by chance. Like, it's incredible. Watch Citizen Kane. Watch The English Patient. Watch Parasite. Watch Saturday Night Fever. You know, like, movies that are just, like, embedded in the cultural conscience. There are still movies where I'm like, fuck, I've never seen that. And I've then never I seen it, any like, of the ones you just said. Watch them. They're so good. Saturday Night Fever. Isn't Citizen it's Kane a- really long? No, it's like two hours. Okay, I can cope with two hours. I just kind <laughs> of felt like it was... <laughs> ripping and it's beautiful. This is what I'm saying is you kind of go... You're so used to rebuffing people's offers when mm. people are like, you have to watch this. It's amazing. And you're like, eh, I'm probably not going to like it. Yeah. Um, if enough people tell you, just believe them and just go for it. It's it's 90 minutes of your life. What have you got to lose? And you know what? If, you, um, if you're halfway through, if you're in the first 10 minutes of a movie and you don't like it, stop watching it. Totally, totally. But all those movies I just listed, like you get 10 minutes in (laughs) and you will not stop watching them because they're genuinely great. Word of mouth persists and word of mouth is right when it comes to films. Do you and Jessa have a like top 50 list of your movies of all time? No, we don't have a, no, we don't have a shared top 50. I just kind of have my, my letterbox account that I'm, that I'm chipping away at, that I'm proudly maintaining. Uh, And for anyone, for anyone who doesn't know, Letterboxd is like a, a, a great free app where you log and rate um, all the movies that you watch. So I have like a diary of every film I've ever seen. And then like at the end of the decade, you can sort of tally up what your top films are. You can see the ones you've rated highest. You can write reviews. It's, you know, it's social media for, for film, film watching. It's great. Does that have like a top 50 of your top 50 movies ever? You would see, yeah. I mean, I've only started, I've only been using it a few years. So there's a, some, I'm, some I wouldn't have logged in there. But yeah, I can look at everything I've ever given five stars. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs. You can find me on Instagram at Very Excellent Habits, and you can also email me, contact at carlyjacobs.com. You can also record a question for me to answer on the show at speakpipe.com forward slash Very Excellent Habits. Thank you so much to the people who have left episode requests so far. I will be getting to those next season. If you do have a topic you desperately want covered, please leave a voice memo at speakpipe.com forward slash Very Excellent Habits. Also, don't forget this week's episode bonus is a printable movie checklist that has Jordan's top 50 movies and they all have a five star rating. So if you're keen to quit making decisions about what movie to watch, then you need this checklist. It is available for patrons at patreon.com forward slash very excellent habits. And one more thing, please leave a rating and a review. It is the very best way to help other people find the podcast until next time. Remember little habits, big life. Oh,